0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 91 of the Top Sweet Wrestling Podcast. That's yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, I'm about to hop right on into it. I'm not going to waste any time. A lot of topics to get into, whether it be WWE, AEW, Impact, the list goes on and on. So I'm about to hop right on into this thing. You can find me at linktr.ee slash pod That's where all of my listings are for this podcast. I'm on Twitter as well at twosweetpod. D. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to start with best thing, funniest thing of the week. Best thing of the week, AEW Full Gear. Ladies and gentlemen, I had an exciting time watching this pay-per-view. I got to say that, look, I don't put it on the level of Double or Nothing. That's just my opinion because Double or Nothing is one of the best pay-per-views of the year. But I did like AEW Full Gear. It had its ups, it had its downs, but I enjoyed it overall. It was D. Best thing of the week, funniest thing of the week, the doggone Chris Jerk on MJF. Look, like I'm gonna get into this segment later on in the show, so I'm gonna save a little bit of it, but they just had the door in this segment on AEW Dynamite, man. It's just one of the funniest segments of the entire year. It was like, who could be the bigger jerk? I'm gonna get into that later. So that was best thing, funniest thing. We gotta hop into number one spot uh, as well. So number one spot of the week, Look, it's just every spot from the Moxley Omega match, man. Like, whatever spot you want to pick up, And, like, whether that be the bed of barbed wire, uh, the shards of glass. Like, a a brutal, grotesque match, man. You just pick every spot out from that match. It was just an amazing match. Uh, Moving on to number one sale of the week, the Dog on Ortiz. Ah, from LAX, I mean, excuse me, from Proud and Powerful Ortiz. He took a super kick from, I don't know if it was Nick or Matt Jackson, but he took a super kick and he sold it like a fish flopping out of water. That was the number one of the week. Number one match of the week for me was Cody and Jericho. A lot of people say Omega and Moxley, but I really thought Cody and Jericho was the best matchup of the night. I'll get into the MJF heel turn as well later on in this show. So we're going to hop right on into this thing, ladies and gentlemen. Like, where else could I start first? Um, am sitting down on a Tuesday night, and I'm getting ready to hop into the Flash and Arrow, but guess what? They're not on TV this week. So, I sit down, I watch WWE backstage, and surprise, surprise, I have my head down. I hear the Coats of Personality theme song. I pop my head up, and I'm like, no way. And yes, he is here, CM Freaking Punk, ladies and gentlemen. I, who would have thought it? Like, when I... I Shocked and bewildered and flabbergasted is an understatement of what I was when I looked up. I seen that guy coming out, and him saying that he's gonna be there next week, and like this just set wrestling Twitter ablaze. Like I knew what the what the deal was gonna be when I saw him, and like at the at the time, like nobody was really watching it. Was only a very small portion of my timeline. Was watching WWE backstage, and I'm just typing, Look, y'all, wake up! CM Punk disappeared on WWE programming. And like within five minutes, I tell you, it's like my entire wrestling timeline was CM Punk, CM Punk, CM Punk, CM Punk, CM-, <laughs> CM Punk. It's like everybody woke up. So it is obviously a huge story. Now, obviously, we got the people out here who just want to be well actually guy, and who, who just want to be people walking around with cold water to throw everything on the situation. They have to be the people that say, well you know, CM Punk works for Fox, not WWE. Look man, we know, we know, but it's just to see that guy around WWE programming that has a lot of people excited. But I will say this, let's not lose perspective here like the only negative that comes out of this is that fans are already starting to get hope and even in some cases false hope i'm already seeing oh man aj lee is going to face off with whomever at wrestlemania uh cm punk is going to be in the royal Rumble, and then i'm like let's just let's just enjoy it for what it is let's let's not get too far out ahead of ourselves because if you build up expectations that's when your dreams and hopes comes crashing down when the dude don't come out at number 30 at the Rumble. So I'm like, at this point, I just hope that WWE just goes on ahead and puts a heel at number 30 at the Rumble so they can get booed. Because people are already expecting CM Punk to be there. And I'm just saying, let's just enjoy it for what it is. He wrote at Fox, uh, breaking down WWE shows on WWE backstage. Let's just leave it at that. And if a return to WWE happens, then we can be excited about it. Then we can get into it. But look, man, people are excited already. And I, quite frankly, I'm not going to sit up here and blame them, to be honest. You know, people have been chatting CM Punk, CM Punk for years upon years now. The guy left wrestling years ago. People want to see him back, and they're very excited. And look, I'm not going to be here to sit there and coil the momentum or coil their excitement. Be excited, but don't 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 eh, watch the perspective don't get too excited so moving on i'm gonna go to sin car ladies and gentlemen he has asked for his release from wwe i do not think it was granted but i found the story very interesting though know, i'm saying oh another wrestler asked for the release another wrestler asked for his release and i'm like well who did it this time so obviously i do what everybody else does i go to twitter are google and type in wwe release and bam Car the first name to pop up and he wants out and i gotta say that i won't be very long on this topic but i am normally pro wrestler but in this instant ladies and gentlemen when it comes to wrestlers act asking out of their contracts uh, i gotta say i'm pro the company every time unless some promises were broken in the contract uh, and there doesn't seem to be any promises broken in the contract. Here's just that Sekar is not being used in the way that he thinks he should be used. So I'm of the ilk that says like whether it be WWE, whether it be Impact, like you cannot let wrestlers out of contracts because it sets a bad precedent. Like you can't have somebody sign a five year deal and like one year into it, or two years into it, you can't you can't just let them out the contract. That's just my opinion. And when it comes to wrestlers, like I am of the mindset, I've been saying this for a long time, wrestlers should negotiate opt-outs in their contracts, like in sports, uh, we have, whether it's football, basketball, or whomever, baseball, they have the big stars or whoever sign deals, and they negotiate opt-outs after year two of a deal of a five-year deal. That's what wrestlers should do. They should negotiate these opt-outs in their contracts so they don't be beholden to these contracts. That's just my opinion. I don't know if it's possible. I, to my, in my estimation, you can, can negotiate anything in a contract. So I think it is possible. I think wrestlers should start negotiating negotiating, excuse me, opt-outs. So we don't have these situations uh, come up. As it pertains overall, like I wish the best for Sin Cara. Uh it just did not work out, whether it be whomever was under the mask as Sin Cara, it just did not work out. So moving on, ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna move on to Tessa Blanchard and Sammy Callahan. So it has been announced. Uh, For the, if I'm not mistaken, the hard to kill pay-per-view, it will be Tessa Blanchard versus Sammy Callahan for the Impact World Championship. I got to say that this is incredible, man. Uh, First, I like to say that I don't like the fact that they spoiled their own main event that's coming up this Tuesday. We got a number one contenders match. the title and I'm like okay like we already have Tessa announced like if somebody else wins it it's not going to matter or it's obviously going to be Tessa so they've spoiled that I don't like that but it is what it is we are where we are now so Tessa's getting the title shot and this is going to be incredible because Tessa Blanchard and Sammy Callahan has an incredible story already going back and forth where Sammy Callahan has picked up a couple of victories here already, and he has Tessa blanchett's number, and they've had incredible matches. If you've gone and looked at it, the crowd has really been behind Tessa Blanchard, and I think that's really the impetus of why Impact is going down this route. The crowd, every time Tessa Blanchard has either been uh, going for the X Division title. Uh, the crowd has been really, really excited to see her win it, and they didn't go with it. Whether it's her getting the number one contendership uh, months ago versus semi kal she lost the crowd. Really wanted to see her win there. So the crowd is behind Tessa Blanchard. So I think that's why Impact is going down this route. It's obviously an extremely empowering moment uh, to have a woman... I face off for a world championship in a wrestling company. It is an an extremely empowering moment. And look, man, Tessa Blanchard is the number one asset in all of Impact Wrestling. So I understand it from that aspect as well. You want to put the championship on your number one draw. But there is one negative to this entire thing. It totally devalues the women's championship. And, well, I don't know if I can say totally, but it does devalue the Women's Championship. At this point, it's like Tessa Blanchard is saying, look, like, the Women's title ain't good enough for me, so I'm going to go after the World title. Where there's a case to be made that if you take the Women's Championship and you build it up and you build it up to Tessa Blanchard, it becomes the number one title in all of your company. So now it's looked at as like, hey, you're still big title but eh, Tessa Blanchard is just above it that's what and when you have Tessa Blanchard going after the world title that's what it feels like to me I could be wrong about that one but that's what it feels like to me otherwise this is going to be a phenomenal match and I really think they are going to go with Tessa Blanchard to win the world title and that place is going to explode when it happens so moving on ladies and gentlemen I'm gonna turn to what was really the only noteworthy thing from SmackDown last Friday. Um, that was just a horrible SmackDown, but Bray Wyatt and Daniel Bryan, ladies and gentlemen, how about that? How about that for a dollar? Like, okay, Daniel Bryan is backstage with Sammy Zayn. Like go off, lights go, come back on, and Sami Zayn is out of there, let's break wide, and he lays the beat down on Daniel Bryan, and everybody's excited, man, it's like, oh man, it's the Daniel Bryan, it's it's, it's the Wyatt family storyline over again, and look, I am excited for that match just as much as anybody else, but here's the deal, man, how are they supposed to have a regular matchup? Like, I understand that the build is, I, I got faith in Daniel Bryan, I got faith in Bray Wyatt that the build is going to be just fine as we head into SmackDown, that's coming up that's quickly approaching, man, uh, by the way, but I have faith that the build is going to be just fine, but at the end of the day, how are they supposed to have a normal matchup? Are the lights going to be out again? If we're going to have red lighting, that's going to suck. Like, how is Daniel Bryan supposed to put together an unbelievable offense? And, like, that's the only thing that I have. That I have a problem with with Bray Wyatt winning the title, it's the way that they put the title on him. Like Seth Rollins hit him with a 50 curb stumps, and like the dudes kicking out of everything. So, how can Daniel Bryan, how can we even believe this match? Like, how can he even have any type of believability when Bray Wyatt is kicked out of everything under the sun and ro risen up out of out of everything under the sun? Like, how are you supposed to have a believable match with him going forward? That's my only problem. I understand that. Look, I'm into Bray Wyatt. I'm happy that he's the champion, and I want to see how this thing plays out. So, we'll see how it plays out, and hopefully they have a phenomenal matchup at Survivor Series. So, moving on, got MJF, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to hop into NXT and AEW later on in this very show. But, uh, I've got a lot of people saying that the heel turn from MJF was too early. And... Look, man, it was a captivating moment. We had Chris Jericho versus Cody Rhodes. And it got off to a slow start, but it picked up extremely well. That crowd was very much behind Cody Rhodes uh, to win that match. And we have Chris Jericho locking the line tamer. And, yes, I still call it the Lion tamer from time to time. That's just me. But he locks it in. MJF throws in the towel And I'm sitting there like, okay, no, we cannot end the world title match this way. Like, okay, I've seen the the, the White Tower tossed in before, Bob Backlund, Bret Hart, I've seen it happen before, but in this instant, uh, big pay-per-view here, you're just trying to get up off the ground if you're AEW, no, the world title cannot end, the world title match, excuse me, cannot end like that, but MJF hit the heel turn and once he did that i said okay i'm all right with it now they had to turn mjf that night if that was going to be the finish to the match so for me personally there are a lot of people saying that oh they could have put more story into it like we've already had a ton of story AEW has been a while for a good while now like uh, no, no very long but a good while now ever since the very beginning ever since the inception ever since the starting press conferences it was known that MJF was Cody's best friend and we've been building that for a long time now I understand that we could have gotten some more mileage out of it but I am cool with the MJF heel turn happening right here right now and MJF like I'm not saying they need to put the rocket on him now, but he is gonna have. They're gonna have to put the rocket on him sooner or later because the guy is undeniable, and this is a great uh, reason as to why AEW needs a mid card title very soon because MJF needs to be the head of that mid card title. They need to build him up and build him up into the number one star that he is. I cannot wait to see uh, how this MJF and Cody Rhodes. Build, how this feud turns out. Like I am very excited. And yes the MJF fuel turn. I loved it. Uh, I didn't like the fan throwing whatever it was. And he threw a cup of beer or whatever it was. But that was a phenomenal segment. And it was extremely well done. So moving on ladies and gentlemen. Uh, just a, looking at, at it quickly. Moxley and Omega. From AEW Full Gear, that was a crazy matchup, man. Uh, Like I said earlier in this show, I'm not going to get into all of the spots, but the spots were crazy, man. Whether it was Moxley crawling through glass to get to the ropes, that was phenomenal, man. The match itself was just sick. Uh, I will say there were a lot of varying viewpoints that went on about this match, I will say for me, there's some people that liked it, some people that didn't like it, some people that actually hated the match, but I will say that it went too long in my estimation. It went like eight, nine minutes too long. You know, once they got back from that crazy barbed wire spot uh, by the stage, the light spot by the stage, like it was starting to, to, to feel like the match was going on a little bit too long. And it got to the point where when Moxley was ripping up the apron from the ring, it was like, okay, let's get to the end of this. But outside of that, man, the match itself was phenomenal in my estimation. It was a gruesome, like when these guys hate each other. When I see people that hate each other, I want to see a hard-hitting match. And that's what I got, a hard-hitting match. That was worth the money in my estimation. I enjoyed it very much. There are a lot of varying viewpoints on that one so moving on ladies and gentlemen my picks up the win there and i'm gonna hop into a little a topic from nwa power and we got a couple of topics to go into we get into the nxt some of the segments and matches from nxt and aew but Moving on to NWA Power, who should challenge Nick Aldis next? Should it be Eli Drake or should it be James Storm, ladies and gentlemen? I I have very much enjoyed NWA Power, but the thing that I have enjoyed most about it is that they have set up their storylines very well, and they have built up their challengers to Nick Aldis tremendously well. James Storm does not have the national title anymore, so... He got a promo on the most recent episode of NWA Power talking about how he's coming after Nick Aldis. And Eli Drake has been involved in the storyline with James Storm previously as it pertains to the national title. And then he came out, he talked uh, about Camille not talking and how he was going to get her to talk. And he was talking about how he was coming after Nick Aldis as well. So we have two very credible challengers for the NWA title. And I got to say that. From a storyline perspective, James Storm should be the next in line. He was the national champion, and he should be the next guy. He lost it. He should be the next guy to get the shot. But I am more intrigued by Eli Drake getting a title shot at Nick Aldis. That's just my preference. I would love to see it happen. I won't complain either way. No matter what road they go down, whether that be James Storm, whether that be Eli Drake, because they're both phenomenal Uh, Talkers on the mic They can carry a feud on the mic Nick Aldis is a phenomenal talker as well All three of the guys can go in the ring So either way it goes Whether it's one of the guys or a triple threat match It is going to be a great challenge For Nick Aldis And I am very excited to see how it turns out Last topic ladies and gentlemen Before we get to AEW NXT as I take a sip here Of water Excuse me ACH ladies and gentlemen ACH has quit WWE, and what was an expletive laden uh, periscope video, and he raises some good points ladies and gentlemen, Uh, he has quit WWE, and I gotta say that one thing I find very annoying ladies and gentlemen is that, he has raised some points by WWE has had some racist behavior, and I gotta say that, look man, He brings up some valid points in that WWE has held some black wrestlers down. And I'm going to be here to say that. And they've held down a lot of people. But here's what I don't like. When people come flying in on Twitter to post their collages and montages of black wrestlers that have won championships. Like, bro, this is a situation to where two things can be true at one time. WWE can be in the spots where they've held down black people before, and they can have some black people that have been champions in the company. So, like, don't just post me a collage of saying that, look at all these, look at these black champions that have won. That's not true. Like, no, bro. The two things can be true. But as it pertains to ACH, man, I'm going to be short and quick on this one. I hope he gets employed somewhere. And I'm worried about his future employment because people hold everything against you. And he did it in such a public manner. And I'm, I'm just worried that... I hope he gets another opportunity because the guy's phenomenally talented. Too. Excuse me, phenomenally talented. So, I'm hoping he gets another shot. But I wish, I wish him the best uh, uh, as it pertains to his future uh, opportunities with whatever company he get, gets to hold on to. So, ACX has quit WWE. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to move on into... The NXT and AEW, are reviews—not necessarily reviews. Just gonna look at a few topics from each shows. We're gonna start with NXT, ladies and gentlemen. Moxley versus Bakanakazawa. Nakazawa, and look, man—they started off with that, and that was much of a match. It was more of a showcase for John Moxley, and he had a promo. And he said that he, his goal was to take every single body out from AEW. He said he didn't care how long it would take. He was going to do it. So he left it at that. We will have a surprise answer later on. So I'm going to get into that. So I very much enjoyed that promo. Ah, it was well done. And we moving on, ladies and gentlemen, we had the return of Luchasaurus as well, ladies and gentlemen. It was the Dark or- Order, excuse me. Ah, And they were taking on Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt. And the Dark Order picked up the victory. I'm not into the Dark Order's gimmick. Hey, that's just me. But they very much needed a win. They went to lay the beat down on Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt. And I tweeted out, it would be cool if Luchasaurus came out and made the save here. And it's like wrestling fans thinking like, man, right as I tweeted out, the fans started chanting, Lucha Luchasaurus. <laughs> Lucha Stars, and soon enough, the music hits, and that guy comes running down, and it is just a joy to see that guy back, he is one of the biggest stars, or he will be, excuse me, one of the biggest stars if a- in AEW if they play their cards right, like, I know a lot of people on my timeline, it's like, look, bruh, get a the title, strap the rocket on, on him, and I'm like, wait, 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 and I know we all want to see that, but let's let this play out, we got a tag team uh, title arc that we got to play out with jungle boy and luchasaurus now let them get the championships first let them let them act still down or die down and then we can build up luchasaurus for uh, the championship so that was a phenomenal segment that i very very much enjoyed also ladies and gentlemen we had an alley promo i appreciate them giving the time to the ladies and because they very much need it Now, her promo got interrupted by Kong, and she laid out Allie and some more hair was taken away. I still don't get that, but I guess we'll find out about the gimmick as the gimmick goes forward. Moving on, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Jericho, MJF, and one of the darndest promos you will ever see, ladies and gentlemen. Like, these guys were going back and forth, and it was like, who could be the bigger jerk? And it was some of the darndest, greatest TV I've ever seen, funniest TV I've seen in recent memory. They're going back and forth and they're like, who is the biggest jerk in AEW? And they both said, Cody Rhodes. And it was a kind of a throwback to when Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens had the promo where they both said, Roman Reigns at the same time it was a throwback to that and it was in tremendous promo I thought MJF kind of should have gotten the stage on his own a main event promo but I enjoyed this just as much Cody Rhodes came down he had the ticked off look and he had a tremendous segment and he took out Jericho, even though it was the power bomb, that is what it is, or about the power slam, excuse me, that is what it is, still was a great segment, but Warlord, Warlord, excuse me, he finally appeared, he laid out Cody and he stood tall with MJF, is that going to be a new alliance? Is Warlord MJF's muscle? I cannot wait to see how that all turns out going, on, going forward, excuse me. Next up, we had Hangman Page versus Pac, and I got to say that... I was a bit disappointed that that show that that match was on after the pay per view. just a week after the pay per view, it was a phenomenal matchup. Those guys went out and they did a phenomenal job. Pac picked up the victory there. So moving on, we had the Bucks and LAX had a tremendous brawl, uh, which led to an appearance by Orange Cassidy. That was great as well. Uh, it was a tremendous brawl as we headed into the main event. The Bucks stood tall. Private Party intervened. And, excuse me, LAX stood tall on the private party to we will have the private party versus LAX next week. Uh, next up, ladies and gentlemen, in the main event, we had SCU versus Jericho and Sammy Guevara. I thought that was a tremendous match. Uh, Scorpio Sky picks up a huge roll-up victory over Chris Jericho to end the show. Can we get Scorpio Sky versus Chris Jericho? I would love to see that. So, moving on, ladies and gentlemen, to NXT. After start, we had Angel Garza and Leo Rush. They had a phenomenal match. Maybe it was the match of the night. Was the match of the night in my estimation. Uh, we had a top rope moonsault, fall away slam. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, that happened. uh, that was a tremendous spot from garza and it was a lot of near falls where you thought the match was over and it was a tremendous win leo rush picks up the victory in controversy as garza's foot was under the rope i'm pretty sure we'll see a rematch going forward and i would love to see it that will be great Uh, next up ladies and gentlemen we had several segments where ladies were laid out. Tegan Knox was laid out. Rio Ripley was laid out outside as well. Justin Duke later on the show was laid out as well. We didn't know who did it. So we had a good old Who Done It. Now I love those in wrestling, so I was looking to see how it all played out. Ladies, next up, ladies and gentlemen, excuse me, we had a Balor promo and he cut this guy Hill Balor man It's just incredible he has cut his two best promos and back to back NXT appearances of his WWE slash NXT career and he just went at Johnny Gargano talking about how Johnny Gargano is out for something that happened three weeks ago and he was really trashing Johnny Gargano that brought out Matt Riddle and they had a back and forth and that brought out the Undisputed Arrow which brought out Ah, uh, Keith Lee and Ciampa as well. They had a great back and forth. And we would have Lee, Keith Lee versus Roderick Stronger. What was an excellent matchup between the two. Uh, Keith Lee picked up the victory. We had a lot going on on the outside. Balor came back out, took down Riddle out uh, of Undisputed Era. I uh, got into it. They attacked and took over. But that but I the Jacobic. He made the save on... The Undisputed Era took them out, shook hands with Champa, shook hands with Keith Lee, and he will be on Champa's war game team. I cannot wait to see that match up. Next up, we had Pete Dunn versus Killian Dane. That match didn't even get going as we had, they had Damian Priest interfere. We had a great brawl between Dunn, Killian Dane, and Damian Priest. That was done greatly. I cannot wait to see what comes out of that. Last up, ladies and gentlemen, we had Io Shirai versus Mia Yim, and what was an excellent ladder match? It had a slow start. Mia Yim was busted open, so that kind of hurt the momentum of the match. Ah, uh, we had Dakota Kai get involved, but Kaylee Ray come in as well. We had her get involved, and she put me a yimp through the table. Excuse me, through a ladder, ladies and gentlemen. What was a six spot? EO picks up the victory. Uh, Shayna Baszler comes out, but Bailey comes out as well. She stands tall over Shayna Baszler, and that was an incredible show. Ah, uh, both shows were great, ladies and gentlemen. And that is the last topic. I enjoyed both shows, ladies and gentlemen. That is it for the two sweet